When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are loaded up. Plenty of hoops to rehash with Nebraska falling to Michigan State. The mighty Casey Watch is underway with Casey Thompson, Texas quarterback. How soon will he be in uh, for Nebraska football? In and the portal. How, how soon will Casey's General Store offer him an NIL sponsorship to get him to the Midwest. See, you're always you're always thinking because you know, God love anyone who's out touring Lincoln today in blissful weather like this. I mean, the only thing that's 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 going to make this weather bearable is a slice of Casey's breakfast pizza. There's no paid endorsement. See, as soon here. as you get paid, you can talk about the <laughs> delicious pizza. Until then, we can just say, "Hey, g- gas station pizza." <laughs> Come on down. Unnamed gas station pizza. (laughs) See, there's two things happening here. Elijah's working on uh, his next phase as an agent and also working at Angle for for endorsement dinero his way. We will talk about Casey Thompson's upside if he ends up in Lincoln. A lot of these dominoes are falling when it comes to the uh, quarterback openings and quarterback spots. Uh, that uh, we'll check in with Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity. I haven't talked to Vogues forever. Uh, I've missed him. I don't know if the feeling's mutual. Uh, the latest from Antonio Brown, the uh, war and peace of all responses uh, from his agent and uh, accusations towards Tampa making him play hurt. We'll hear from Bruce Arians. Uh, did we preview that for bleeps? Do we need to bleep it? We need to preview it because Bruce Arians just don't care. Gary Barnett will be with us, and Coach Barnett knows quarterbacks. Get his take on both prospects uh, that may end up in Lincoln, Purdy, and Thompson. Jeremiah Searles, Husker standout, Husker uh, big-time performer, of course, uh, and uh, sideline man for the Big Red and NFL standout. We'll get Searles' take on the weekend and uh, where things are at with Nebraska football. Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, will join us from the VEASAN Sports Network. Three big-time games with playoff implications. That's the Ravens and Steelers, Niners, Rams, Chargers, Raiders. Can get in. Numbers to dial up, 466 can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And I got home last night, picked up dinner for Mama and Junior. They're both wearing their Michigan State gear. Long story. 
Uh, Carson was a was a Valentine fan when he was just kind of getting into sports, so that's why he likes Sparty and still wears that green uh, allegedly proudly. That's that's his next punishment. He's grounded now from uh, computer, TV, and phone. His next grounding will be being grounded from wearing green. I've made that determination. So I get there, and I was listening to Tim Ewell and, and KP on the way home, and Nebraska was right there. Nebraska actually led for, you know, different portions of that first half. And quite honestly, going to halftime down four, what an awful. Nebraska 6-9, and 0-4 oh now in the Big Ten. And, you know, what Nebraska did a wonderful job of just kind of trading punches for about 30 minutes or so. But when push came to shove, the final four minutes – uh, not much offense for Nebraska. And what I saw last night from Nebraska, I saw a lot of things. I saw Derek Walker continue to be incredible. I saw Nebraska when they were doing well against Michigan State, when they were doing well against Ohio State. They continued to go through Walker uh, in the offense. But Nebraska just, they they got down, so they needed some, some three-point magic and Despite starting well, that magic left uh, the home that magic built. Uh, Nebraska not good from three-point land again. Uh, stop me if you've heard that before. But I thought Nebraska kind of reverted back to what has ailed them a lot this season. And that is, well, first, shots not going in from distance. But secondly, I think they just settled and stopped trying to get downhill. And I thought there was just some some crazy threes it wasn't brutal it wasn't super uber quick in the shot clock but they were still tough shots they were still contested threes that nebraska took you know from about the six minute mark on down where michigan state looked like they were going to actually cover and then nebraska hit some threes to bring it back within 10 so i just didn't like nebraska's offense i didn't like nebraska's shot selection uh quite honestly they were down oh i think 10 or 9 and they, they had the ball, and out of a timeout, Fred called a set for Wiltshire to catch and shoot from three, and I think that knocked it down to an eight- or a seven-point difference from around the, the five-minute mark. So Nebraska took a three, hit a three from Wiltshire, but I just thought Verge was too inconsistent, and despite McGowan's start, I think he got a little jump shot happy and just didn't get to the rim as much as he could have. Nebraska, instead of taking some of those tough shots or three-point shots, could have found a way to the rim uh, and and tried to draw a whistle. Who knows if you get a whistle in East Lansing, but at least get to the rim, stop the clock, get to the free-throw line. I thought Nebraska kind of punted on what had worked for them. But Walker was the, the positive story for me last night, Elijah, with uh, his point total, how well he performed against Michigan State in the paint. And uh, Nebraska, you know, just needs to keep going to him. Sparty's going to be a mess. They're really good. They're really talented. You've got high flyers and shooters and a blue-collar mindset. They just turn the ball over too much. That's going to keep them from potentially a Final Four run. That that's my early impression of Michigan State. They're good enough to to be an Elite Eight, a Sweet Sixteen. They're good enough to be a Final Four. They just turn the ball over too much. Uh, we'll see if they get better with that. But you know, missed opportunity. But if you're a Nebraska basketball fan, the last two outings against ranked teams, you can be dejected that you're still kind of on this 
losing streak against Power 5 teams. Or you can say, okay, they've been in it and they've been competitive. That's better than the alternative. A lot of us already wrote them off before they got into the meat of this schedule. Yeah, and uh, I know we're past the point in year three of, of Hoiberg. We're past the point of moral victories. You, you can't be having moral victories anymore. You need to start getting victories. However, I think these past, two, been worse. Games, these past two games have showed progress in Nebraska getting to a point where maybe come uh, mid-February, late February, even if you're not making the tournament, maybe you can string a couple wins together, get some momentum going into next season. And, and I think what Nebraska's found in the past two games is uh, an offense that can work. Mm-hmm. I know there were still some droughts last night, especially uh, in that second half. Um, but look at it. Nebraska did really well whenever they found we just get the ball to Walker on the low post once per possession and good things are happening. Get the ball to Walker in the low post or at least get him in a screen and roll action and good things were happening for Nebraska. And I mean, even down the stretch when Nebraska was going through a scoring drought, it was, what, three or four threes that were halfway down and came back out? That, that was Nebraska's yeah. chance to, to crawl back into it. And, and I know the, the three-point shooting hasn't been great this year, but it's been getting a little bit better when you have shots that like that last night, which are good looks, and they're halfway down. I don't think you can be all that mad about them. No, they, they were they, – they just some of them just rimmed out, and some of them were just bad. And I think where I lost faith, <laughs> it's like, well, can Nebraska put a run together – you know, you're you're within six points, and you get another steal, and it's transition, and here's Verge, and then he just launches a three in transition. It's one on four. There's no offensive rebound help underneath, and it's, again, that decision-making. And Nebraska reverts back to questionable decision-making, whether the shot's going to go in or not. They just have that old habit dying hard. And and that's my biggest thing. Verge struggled again, was two for ten. He had uh, five assists, three turnovers. Uh, and you look at him and, and Kisei, both those guys kill you on the defensive end. Okay, that's just that's where you're at. Verge doesn't always have to be a liability. But if his shot ain't fallen, again, it comes back to some maturity. Is he going to play – hard on the defensive end and I don't think he like sloughed all the time last night but whenever he was trying last night he was being a pest he was doing well but the offense it can't be a a two-way street it's got to be a one-way street on each side of the court for him and and I hope that that shifts Kisei just he's he's okay for a couple of threes that'll go down but he just gets worked so I don't know uh, when push comes to shove, if and there's going to be other teams that Nebraska matches up against better. We'll see what happens against Rutgers. Rutgers, I know they beat Purdue, but they're not loaded like Sparty, although they're damn good with some of their guards. I mean, Geo and, and Harper are nice. But I, it just comes down to some of the decision-making. And also with, um, with Bryce, Bryce needed to get downhill. Uh, when he put the ball on the floor, that's just good for Nebraska on the on the offensive end. And do you tell him to stop launching threes? I mean, he was one for seven. The first one seems to always go down for him, and some of them just spun out. But the, the consistency isn't there with his outside shot. He's at least apt to get a whistle more likely than not if he gets to the rim. And sometimes he just gets dominated because he's not strong enough when attacking the the rim against some of the the, the tougher, bigger teams like Michigan State. So all in all with, with Nebraska, better effort. You took on a top 10. You took on a two seed. You were in it. 
and they were just better than you. But man, uh, for you to to pull off some of these upsets, you just gotta you just gotta play smarter basketball. And Nebraska leaked out. All right, they weren't quite to me as locked in with their decision making against Sparty as they were Ohio State. However, the, the progress I, I can see in even in decision making is late in non-conference against teams like NC State, uh, even though Nebraska was close against NC State, like the amount of bad threes Nebraska was taking, I didn't have enough fingers to count right. how many they were taking. Now I can at least count on my two hands how, it, how many bad threes. It's down to one hand. It's, it's getting close to down to one hand. <laughs> if, if they can consistently get it down to maybe just two or three dumb threes per game, they're, they're going to be giving themselves a lot better chance to win, and the progress is being made in that direction. Well, a lot of it, too, is not the if but the when. You're gonna get a you're gonna get a a heat check three from three or four guys on this team, but at what point in the game are they taking it? Mm. Is it after you get a turnover and it's a five point game and you can keep chopping wood and you're in in the middle of a run? No, don't take that unless you know it's gonna go in to cut it down to a two or a three point ball game, and and that's just it. Like Nebraska needed something good to happen when you get a steal. And a transition three at that point in the game just is is the cherry on top of three or four straight bad possessions where you don't score. Well, the problem is is when you want to be taking that heat check is whenever you get the the steal and you're running in transition. You're up and, and, nine. And you're up five, you're up six, you're up seven, something like that. And Nebraska just hasn't been there this season. And they're probably not going to be there in the Big Ten slate. But I can see progress being made with this Husker, with this Husker basketball team. Were they an NCAA tournament team? No, probably not. Are they an NIT team? No, probably not. But if you can go get five or six wins in the Big Ten slate, I think Husker fans would be somewhat happy with that. To quarterback we go. Casey Thompson will know at some point before the 18th of January if Nebraska is going to be his landing spot. These quarterback dominoes have fallen here. So you have uh, Basilek, the uh, Missouri quarterback, that was kind of rumored, you know, he's one of these other names out there. He is off to Indiana. You know, Oklahoma has Dylan Gabriel. You have uh, the authority on Missouri football. That's Dave Matter saying that, look, the Tigers aren't interested in Casey Thompson. Zach Calzada, the A&M phenom, is going to go to Auburn. So, again, it's a numbers game. It's musical chairs. And right now, the landing spot looks like Nebraska for Casey Thompson. You've got your rivals, buddies, uh, crystal balling that. Your 24-7 folks saying the same thing. Greg Smith, I think also, of course, Hale Varsity's recruiting guru, says he feels pretty good about Casey Thompson. I still think it's a reality about getting two. And the way you can pitch it is say, look, uh, you got four years pretty uh, to get here and get get acclimated with Whipple. And if you're Casey Thompson at 6-1, Again, from our friend Cedric Golden at the Austin American Statesman. Casey's a pass-first guy that's mobile. Uh, Nebraska's quarterbacks the last few years have needed to be mobile to evade pressure. And, and Thompson's been good, you know, making something in the face of pressure. 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and a, a pretty good film guy. He isn't going to be a, a medical liability uh, because of his legs running the ball. Okay, so what is the upside here? What do you get with Mighty Casey? You're getting a guy that's pretty poised, and he led an offense last year in Texas. I know they were four and six under his direction. He put up enough points 
enough times to win seven, eight, nine ball games for Texas. The offensive output, uh, blowing an 18-point lead to Oklahoma, wasn't on him. Uh, getting beaten a shootout by Kansas and Coach Lance wasn't on him. <laughs> okay, so he put up enough points in that Texas offense, again, with those Texas weapons to uh, – to, to, to win more ball games. Now, the the uh, the appeal here is if I'm Casey Thompson, I'm 23 years old, and I'm a super junior, I want to get paired up with uh, with a guy who's worked with a lot of quarterbacks, is going to put a top 10 pick into the NFL draft. That'll happen this year with Pitt's quarterback for sure. You've got the, uh, the Ben Roethlisberger connection. This is a good quarterback coach to go to if I'm the Thompson family, and see what can shake out. Nebraska's going to have to go get a running back. They're kicking the tires, too, on A.J. Allen from TCU, a TCU commit. We'll get Searle's thoughts here on the offensive outlook. More thoughts on Big Red football. Brandon Vogel next on Hale Varsity. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show Podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Be sure to get the podcast, Tail Varsity Radio, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating. Be the first to give us a rating. In 2022, uh, you can be nice or naughty. Just tell us what you think. Uh, love your re, uh, reviews and uh, love your feedback. Also, uh, so many different uh, platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, for all the Herd at Family uh, podcasts. Brandon Vogel, I-80 Preview, you got to hear. And uh, Vogue's uh, the proud author of that. Uh, managing editor with Hale Varsity, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter, and his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. So, John Cook, if he's picking the quarterback, is he going Pretty or Thompson, Vogues? Let's let's throw this a little volleyball football mixture. <laughs> uh, why not both? Maybe uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, you know, I think I think both would would be pretty intriguing options for Nebraska. Uh, I might lean a little more towards towards Thompson, uh, and you know. If this were Cook, you know, you always got to take the opportunity to uh, weaken a Texas program when you can. <laughs> so that's probably his pick. That's what I was wanting from you, man. That's so good. How weird is this? You and I grew up in the era of, oh, my God, Charles Thompson is going to run the option all over us the day after Thanksgiving. And begrudgingly, <laughs> begrudgingly said, damn, that guy needs to play for Nebraska. As good as Nebraska's quarterbacks were, oh, you always had that dude, either Jamel or Thompson. And and now you look at the the, the, the funny part of life where it, it has to be weird for, for Chuck to say, okay, son, go play ball for, 
for Bevo, <laughs> and then maybe maybe end up in Lincoln. On a serious note, though, what do you like about Thompson's game? You watch a lot of football. He's got a good arm, man. He's got some talent. Yeah, he re- he really does. And I mean, you know, he the arm talent I think jumps out. He's got the the right kind of mobility. I think for for where Nebraska needs to go with its with its quarterback spot. You know, Texas thought plenty highly of him, um, and you, you get a new coach in there, and it just doesn't quite doesn't quite work out. I mean, it's going to be once we once this uh, kind of merry-go-round stops with uh, with quarterbacks and just looking at all of the people that have traded places, um, starting quarterbacks, it, it's going to be sort of insane. So uh, we'll see if that's how Nebraska ends up going. Uh, you know, on Charles Thompson note, he quarterback Oklahoma in the first first Nebraska game I ever attended as a kid. So yeah, definitely uh, that name still sticks out to me. Was it the '87 game with the the, uh, the Beaver coat? Yep. Game of the century 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, that was a rough one. That was, yeah, that was a rough one, dude. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't remember much. I remember it was pretty cold. Uh, but you know, as, as we've uh, we've had <laughs> we've had Casey Thompson kind of uh, float around in our Nebraska circle over these past couple of weeks, and it was one of the first uh, first thoughts that I had. So what what's your timeline for this? I mean, you've got pretty or pretty visiting here the the fourteenth, and Charles and Casey came up on their own dime, did the FaceTime thing. They clearly knew that, you know, it was going to be 20 below windshield today, so they got the <laughs> hell out. Um, and I think if I'm if I'm Casey Thompson and I want to play at the next level, the the selling part of, of Coach Whipple makes a lot of sense. That, that's got to be a big time. And, of course, the Frost offense. And there's been success here, but, but Whipple's got to be a – a big time asset here, not just this season, but for future seasons with current guys to develop and with this portal being the way it is, Vogues. I mean, it's it's got to be an ace for Nebraska to have a guy like him here. Yeah, you would certainly think so. And, and Nebraska is getting him at exactly the, the right time uh, coming off kind of the, the three season trajectory that he just had with, with Kenny Pickett. So that, you know. Who knows how much that was part of the discussion? I mean, I think you know, you're trying to choose an offensive coordinator. This might just be a bonus, but I'd be surprised if it didn't come up because, you know, in Nebraska, like Scott Frost said way before the first national signing day, you know, that this was going to be a, a year for the transfer portal, and they're looking for instant impact guys. And and we knew that like the the little bit the small taste we got of the portal leading up to this past season was just that an appetizer. And now it's 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 crazy to to see like just how much college football is gonna shift in these off seasons. It's starting this year and, and presumably carrying forward. So you've gotta have a strategy to that and I think Whipple's track record and the the nice shiny metal of being able to take Kenny Pickett from a guy who Unless you were a Pittsburgh football fan, most people probably didn't spend a lot of time thinking about to to a Heisman finalist. 
certainly should carry some weight, particularly when it comes to those transfers, I think, um, who, who maybe, well, like, like Thompson, you know, who are a couple of years into their career, you know, they're not looking to, to start over from scratch. They're looking for somebody who's, who's been around the block and, and Whipple's been around quite a few times. Well, Brendan, I know that, that the, the, the history of Husker football doesn't necessarily predict the future, but if you're coming to Nebraska looking to turn yourself into an NFL quarterback, I can't even remember, besides Tanner Lee, who kind of got a flyer because of his track record before coming to Nebraska, I can't remember another quarterback to get drafted to play quarterback in the NFL before uh, Tanner Lee. Is there any other in my lifetime that I'm forgetting here? It just doesn't seem like Nebraska <laughs> is a place where you come to become an NFL quarterback. You got to go back to Ferragamo and Hum and those guys, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think Hum was even the last Nebraska quarterback to start a game that quarterback in the NFL. So you're going back to the, the early '80s. You know, Sam Keller probably would have had a shot um, if, if things had gone a little bit differently, and he doesn't sustain that injury. Um, but yeah, he and Tanner Lee, which you know, were kind of the two guys in recent history for Nebraska who came in with kind of that NFL pedigree um, and, you know, camp circuit star in in terms of, or at least the Manning Passing Academy star in in terms of Tanner Lee. Um, There's not a lot to point to there, but I think part of what this new era of college football is, is, you know, you still have these brand names, but they're not as closely tied as, as players move around more as coaches move around more i think it's just becoming a little bit more global uh in terms of like hey if you're a good quarterback who's nfl caliber like it doesn't matter if you play at nebraska the way it would have you know in 1996 um when you just didn't have those kind of guys although nebraska did have one of those guys right around that era in terms of brooke Barringer. Brandon Vogel's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Let's go to Cheva Pretty. So we've touched on the upside and the mobility of, of a guy like um, Casey Thompson. I about said Charles. That's going to be another fine jar, right? <laughs> Just like saying, uh, you know, Oakland Raiders. Uh, when we talk Pretty here, we, we know that before Whipple came to Lincoln, he was in, in Cheva's living room recruiting him. You've seen a little bit of Chuba. What sticks out? And give me that ceiling for him. I know he's a four-year guy. Yeah, if we're just choosing between the two, I might go with Thompson with slightly higher ceiling. It's just tough with with Chuba because we we haven't seen much. You know, two years ago in 2020, he, he played in three games and I think attempted about. 50 passes and then this year obviously got injured right away um and, and that was that so it's a little bit it, it's a little bit of a riskier proposition in my mind or at least not riskier but you the knowns are fewer mm-hmm. with him uh, that said you know it, it might be a, a high risk high reward type of thing because so much of the book is unwritten on him and obviously we know his brother was a really good quarterback for for iowa state um, and he kind of has, you know, the great thing about Brock was you just saw kind of the, the gamer gene in him. Um, who knows if that's, that's hereditary, but I, I take my chances, uh, that it is if, if Nebraska had a chance to get his brother. Vogue's going to flip over to basketball. And, uh, at what point did, did hope evacuate 
with Nebraska maybe pulling the upset, or did it ever when you were watching? Yeah, you know, it was such a game of of runs that it, it felt like it was uh, evaporating. Every you know, it seemed like in four minute stretches, you're like, oh, Nebraska came in and gave it a shot. And then credit credit to Nebraska for for battling back there. Um, I can't remember exactly what the exchange and runs was there, but you got a little bit towards the 10-minute mark of the second half, and once Michigan State did it one last time, you, you had a feeling that this was going to be uh, this was going to be the one that was a little bit too much to come back from, and, and it ended up being that. Uh, it's, it's frustrating for well, Nebraska and certainly Nebraska basketball fans to have to continue, you know, it feels like football season a lot. Uh, you you kind of have to keep looking for things to take from these these losses. But I'll, I'll say that these last two games for Nebraska, they have showed something uh, that, that makes me a lot more optimistic than I was coming into, you know, restarting play in January. Vogue's a busy time of year. I know uh, basketball, men and women are in action. Uh, baseball's around the corner. What's uh, on the horizon here for HailVarsity.com uh, and Magazine? Yeah, hard at work in the, uh, the January issue. Um, I've been going back through and uh, scoring every game of the, the Big Ten era uh, for, for Nebraska. Um, so that'll be a future story in, in the January issue. Um, we're going to look back at volleyball uh, Final Four through through John Peterson, our photographer, staff photographer, lens, uh, put that photo essay together. So that's coming up in the next issue. Uh, and then we've got some good stuff for the, the spring issues ahead. You know, women's basketball continues to, uh, well, got a huge win this week um, and, and be a ton of fun to watch. So we'll have some stuff coming up on them. And then uh, getting ready for baseball, which will be here next month. So look for that coming up soon. Vogue's about 30 seconds left here. Going back and grading every single game of the Big Ten era, tell me a little bit about that that process. <laughs> How much alcohol um, yeah. was used? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I put all of the games in a little spreadsheet, um, which was uh, you know about 130 games. And so just went through with a gut reaction of like the ones that I instantly remembered, like 2011 Ohio State. This is you know X score, um, and the 2012 Big 12 champ- Big Ten Championship was a, a Y score. Um, and then I had to do a little bit more uh, research first. You know, say Nebraska Chattanooga. That one didn't stir a lot of memories in me, but it's been fun. Well, can't wait to see it. Follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon L Vogel. And uh, check his workout with HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogues, uh, we'll check in Saturday. Thanks for the time today. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hail Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr and now and now back to hail varsity radio well, hope you're bundled up and uh, buckle up. We'll get the lowdown uh, from Gary Barnett coming up here in 25 minutes. 
a name uh, that you're maybe hearing out there is Nebraska's running backs coach, potentially is former our, our running backs coach and recruiting guy, uh, Brian Applewhite from TCU. We spent a little bit of time here on A.J. Allen. He's out of Monroe, Louisiana. High-level running back, uh, Nebraska offering him. He's been a TCU commit. So is Nebraska going to go two for here and, and land and flip A.J. Allen, who was uh, a kid that didn't decide to go early with the early signing session? And you have uh, a pretty decorated uh, running backs coach in Brian Applewhite that uh, was part of some pretty big offenses. So, well, now I, with with TCU uh, being a, a team with a with a new head coach, was he a, a holdover from the previous staff, or is he looking for a new job? He's looking. Okay. He, had, he had been at TCU with Patterson. Okay, and and at Colorado State before that. So, we'll check in with Gary Barnett, also Jeremiah Searles next hour. Burke's best bets uh, in the 540 segment can join us here. Open phones 466-3776-466-37-76800-825-5865. can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So Antonio Brown, that saga continues and officially cut today. And uh, you've got some blowback here. Uh, from Antonio Brown, uh, you you have accusations by Antonio Brown that the Bucks were forcing him to play hurt. There's some uh, insinuation by Brown that his position coach threatened him. Uh, you're done if you don't go play. You have the Bucks responding to those questions by Antonio in his full length, full Monty statement. Uh, Antonio did receive treatment on his ankle, was listed on the injury report the week leading up to the game, was cleared to play by our medical staff prior to the start of the game. At no point during the game did he indicate to our medical personnel that he couldn't play. And the way Antonio made his exit exit off the field and was was pretty agile moving around, he didn't look hurt nor cold um, against the Jets. Here's what Bruce Arians had to say uh, in his Zoom call with reporters earlier. Maybe? Uh, I know what I did wrong. Okay. We'll, we'll hear from Bruce Arians. Go ahead. So, obviously, that was a, the disturbing thing when we were looking for him to go back into the game. All right. We always had uh, – he was very upset at halftime about who was getting targeted. Got that calmed down. Players took care of that. It started again on the sideline. We called for the personnel group that he had played in the entire game. He refused to go in the game. That's when I looked back and saw him basically wave off the coach. Um, I then went back, approached him about what was going on. Uh, I ain't playing. What's going on? I ain't getting the ball. That's when I said, you're done. Get the F out of here. And that's the that's the that's the end of it. And uh, we are work, we are working on Carolina. That's the end of the story. And um, hopefully it ends today. You can't force a player to play. I mean, they they have that choice. It's their body. And uh, he decided to play. He and Mike both were on pitch counts. All right. And um, we were trying to manage that as best we could in the first half. So. It was up till game time for Antonio's ankle. Mike Evans missed the last game with hammy issues. 
and I was surprised as hell because I didn't start him in fantasy. There's my two seconds on my fantasy team. I was surprised he played because of how uh, temperamental that part of your body is for a wide receiver this late in the year before you go for a playoff run trying to defend your title. This from Adam Schefter. Antonio Brown and his agent requested that the remaining $2 million in incentives in his contract this season be guaranteed. That's from Jason Light, the Bucks GM, the Pratt of Fremont. <laughs> the team declined to guarantee those incentives. More from Schefter here. Antonio Brown did not tell anyone on the Bucks staff about his ankle bothering him on game day before the game against the Jets during it. Again, that from Tampa sources. This came down to, I'm not getting the football. I'm going to throw a hissy fit. I've got $2 million on the line, and I'm going to be a problem. And I'm going to be a problem like I've been everywhere I've ever gone. And eventually, I erupt. And the last guy that's going to have any patience is Bruce Arians. He is the most player you know, players coach reputation. Dude, if you can't play for Bruce Arians, you can't play ball. That's that's from guys that our our friend Lars has has talked to. Lars did the biography with Bruce Arians, right? So he knows Bruce pretty in depth, shares crown with him, all right? And you've got a hard edge and a no BS mantra from a guy like Bruce Arians, but guys swear by him and love him. And they want to play for him. Okay? And then there's Antonio Brown. People talk about enabling. People talk about, you know, giving Antonio Brown another chance, another chance despite these accusations and charges from all the off-the-field stuff, his behavior uh, towards women. Listen, I, I get that, and, and why give a scumbag a second, third, fourth, 50th chance? It's about winning ball games and playing ball. Uh, there is a bottom line like that answer or not. Guys like Antonio Brown are going to get another shot. Just like why is Aaron Rodgers an MVP candidate? <laughs> Going back to yesterday. Yeah. So you, you have this. The, the reality is a, a guy like Bruce Arians is going to take a shot because a guy like Tom Brady will vouch for an Antonio Brown. The, you, you know that there's a little devil you dance with. You know it could go sideways. You know it could go wrong. You got a Super Bowl out of last year with him. Yes, Tom Brady was incredibly important. Yes, Levante David was huge. Yes, Sue was money. Uh, Big-time work by Mike Evans, playoff Lenny. There's a lot of characters that won a ring for you last year. But Antonio Brown was, was big time. They were in dire need of help is the only reason they brought him back because Arians was done with him after the vaccine card. So you can question... Why do you bring him back after the vaccine card? And then this blows up. Total selfish move by Antonio Brown. We'll get more of of this with Searles, the NFL side of it. And I wouldn't put it past a franchise trying to save money and not target him. But Tampa's working on, excuse me, on home field here, right? They're working. They've slipped up enough so it's not a slam dunk that they're not traveling somewhere. For postseason, they're in. There'll be a high seed. How difficult is their road to repeat? Antonio Brown uh, lessens that difficulty when you get him and a healthy Evans and a Gronk and go down the list. So they they are at fault for 
for having this blow up on him. But I, I, I would rather choose to believe Tampa is not forcing a guy out there injured versus a guy who's got a history of being a bad dude, a horrible teammate and decision maker, throwing a hissy fit and just quitting because of a contract and $2 million. I would side with believing Tampa on this. We'll wind down hour one. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Gary Barnett, Jeremiah Searles in the uh, first half of hour two. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And uh, find and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and at herbal essence for elijah herbal so a reminder about buckling up this time of year one out of every three fatal crashes in nebraska involving an alcohol impaired driver why take the chance if you drink don't drive a message from the nebraska department of highway safety office many of you are going to church on friday eric church pba he's played here before in lincoln and man he puts on an incredible show i'm not mr country music but i like some country music and uh, excited to go down and see that show tomorrow night. Beforehand, we are going to be at the single barrel inside the graduate. So are you making your way into town? Are you in town? Listen, get yourself a steak, get yourself a bourbon, get yourself a beer, uh, get some incredible food with your friends at the single barrel inside the graduate ahead of Eric Church. Then mosey on over to uh, PBA for just an incredible show and the catalog. So that'll be a fun Friday night. I promise, Elijah, for the weekend edition, I will be uh, upright and mobile. Uh, so it won't be too late a night for me Friday night. Uh, but yeah, we'll be down at the Single Barrel. And I uh, want to see it on there. Hail Varsity Radio Road Show Friday. We may even dust off the old <sighs> stream yard. Mm. little video show tomorrow. Uh, so we'll be doing that. I'll have to get my outfit ready. Make sure I'm looking good on the stream yard. Dude, it's so cold. <laughs> I might just keep the stacking stocking hat on from now till the end of time. That's just where I'm at with it. But uh, well, come see us, uh, single barrel tomorrow, four to six. On a day like today, I want to pull out the ski mask, but like then I'm <laughs> I'm nervous. Like when I'm going to like the gas station, that like somebody's gonna gonna think something's wrong. Oh <laughs> man, that's happened. That has happened to me. This is pre-pandemic. And I walk up, and I've got the stocking hat on, and I've got the scarf, and I frightened some poor woman. <laughs> I, I did, and I, was, and I just went right up, and I was wearing, I think, warm-ups and a black coat. So I looked. I, lo- I, sh- I should have been shot walking through the door, is how I looked. And I, and she like jumped, like no, sweet man, I just I, I need a bottle of water and a can of skull, please. <laughs> I mean that's I'm so, I'm so sorry. It's just cold out there, and I'm bundled up with a scarf. I am not here to scare you. <laughs> she didn't just start throwing the register. That's not fair. I mean I laugh at that and I shouldn't. Put yourself in in your shoes where man you're working a late night and someone rolls in all bundled up and you freak that happened mm. but you're you're right about the ski mask now even wearing masks for so damn long that you just kind of know people by their eyes mm-hmm. 
like the the concern becomes when you got that ski mask on. Like, me personally, I don't like to talk uh, throughout the rest of my day to keep my voice ready for radio. So then I'm like slipping a note across the counter at the gas station. Don't even. <laughs> wow. It just says a one bottle of water and a can of skull, please. <laughs> Dude, just talk. All right. That's that's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. So uh, quarterback thoughts here. Gary Barnett knows him. He's coached him. And uh, he's prepped them. So get his take on two candidates that may end up in Lincoln. See what he knows about uh, maybe another name here for running backs coach in Lincoln. And uh, just uh, it's first time in 2022. We'll talk with Barney. Coach Barnett on the way. Our favorite sideline man, Searles, on the way. And then Danny Burke, a full hour two with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. To hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Let's uh, get caught up with the uh, Hall of Fame coach, Colorado Northwestern, and stand out at Missouri. I hope he's playing some golf in warm weather. We say hi to Gary Barnett. Coach, Happy New Year. Thanks for the time. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'm actually at the golf course right now, hitting some balls, trying to get better. Uh, after all, today was not a good day on the golf course for me. So, uh, and the weather's about 62 or 63 down here. So, not to make you feel bad, but uh, it's life down here. Man, it's uh, minus 20 wind chill here, and it's Ooh. it's Ooh. about uh, it's about two above. Now, I did get golf in on Christmas Eve day here in Lincoln. So that was oh, good for you. Yeah, that was fun, man. That was fun. So you're on the course. That is outstanding. You're working on your game. Happy to hear that, and I'm sure you'll fire something up on the grill in a little bit. So that that is that is the way to do things. Uh, interested to get your thoughts here as the quarterback uh, merry-go-round continues, and a couple of names. First, I want to start with Casey Thompson. Uh, you uh, played against Charles or coached against Charles when when he was at OU. His dad, the the famed option quarterback. Um, and, and, of course, Casey's been at Texas and now in the portal. It sounds like Nebraska may be kind of lining things up to, to connect with uh, one another. What do you remember about Casey? I ask this because you guys played uh, played Texas and in the Alamo Bowl a couple of years ago, I think, and Casey came in. And then I know you kind of keep an eye on quarterbacks. So what's your take on the kid? Well, you know, um, he's he's a lot like his dad. He's just, you know, he's very agile youngster and he can he can make you miss and he's he's um you know he doesn't he hasn't grown up in the option like his dad did mm-hmm. but 
you know, he's, he was one of those guys who could go back and play that position. So, um, you know, I, Chris, I, I, did, I think that uh, uh, the quarterbacks now that are in the portal, other than, than a couple, they're just guys looking for a change of environment and a place that will fit in. I mean, you're frankly going to find, a hard, find it hard to replace Adrian Martinez, and I know he made a lot of mistakes, yeah. but uh, a guy with his ability is really hard to replace. And uh, But, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of them out there, and I know Purdy is a guy that's being mentioned down there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the – with uh, Cam Williams at uh, at Oklahoma, that move. There's just a lot of guys out there, I know, and it's 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 sort of like recruiting a little bit. You just don't know. Everybody's got some degree of risk, and uh, you know, you just try to vet it as much as you can, and and I hope it turns out for you. And the change of environment it works out for the for the young man. You know, Coach Whipple real well, and. Is Nebraska in better position to may, maybe minimize the risk because of his expertise? I mean, just the eye he has for quarterbacks? Well, you certainly hope so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's seen a lot of quarterbacks. And, and um, you know, his system is going to fit uh, more like Purdy and – uh, I think Casey a little bit. I mean, Casey's not a guy you want. You're going to pull in and run the option. He certainly could do that. Mm-hmm. And Mark's not going to run a lot of the option, but he's he'll run enough. But um, you know, you got to rely on on that for sure. And that's one of the reasons that you you bring him in is because you know that there's got to be a difference made at the quarterback spot. And you use his expertise and uh, his reputation to do that. Gary Barnett's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. We're talking portal quarterbacks, Casey Thompson, Chubba Pretty, and, of course, uh, Coach Whipple. Coach, I want to go back to Casey Thompson for just a second. You know, I look at his numbers, 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and I look at his size and his mobility and making plays, and, and then, of course, the Adrian factor. He's down, down in Manhattan now, and you brought up a really good point. And from a coach's perspective, you you know what you see and you know what you have. Is a guy like uh, Casey a concern with turnovers uh, based on what, he, what you saw out of him in Texas, or was that him just trying to, to score more points because that Texas D gave up a lot last year? Well, I, I... – I think anybody who uh, did not end up settling in, being the starter someplace, wasn't the starter because of reasons. And um, you know, it's I, I, we don't really know. We can look at it and observe and, and read about it, but only the people inside the program really know. And uh, you know, I would just defer to. Sure. The inside information on that sort of thing, because, and I'm sure that uh, Mark and Scott have vetted all that stuff. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to. I mean, this is an important decision, and um, it, I mean, Scott's Scott's situation is 
is dicey. There's no question. So this is really an important acquisition for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that they're doing just a, a great job of vetting all that to make sure that that this isn't something that they're going to get. Coach Gary Barnett is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, to go a little bit more big picture here when you look at the quarterback position, we heard news last night that Texas A&M, with their number one recruiting class the nation, actually uh, raised uh, upwards of $25 million from their boosters in, in order to, to pay NIL deals to these new kids coming in. And with Nebraska looking for a quarterback, it's really because the, the quarterbacks they went and got out in recruiting haven't panned out in the way you thought their recruiting rankings would. So in order to be getting those top quarterbacks out of high school as opposed to in the transfer portal moving forward, is that what it's going to take? Is it going to take big NIL deals to go get these these talented quarterbacks coming out of high school? Well, it's going to take a heck of a lot more than uh, than what they got a year ago, <laughs> because, <laughs> because it keeps going know, up. <laughs> that's what the market's driving. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to take that kind of money. I read the same article you did and saw it was up to thirty million actually. So, and, you know, a lot of that's going to existing players, not just uh, incoming recruits. But it doesn't make any difference. It gives you the story and tells you where we are with all this stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question. There's guys putting themselves in there just to find out what they're worth. And I'm sure that's what Cam Williams is doing in Oklahoma. And um, just, you know, their advisors, whether they're parents or whether they're agents, they're just saying, put yourself out there, see what you can get. So, yeah, I think you're going to have to do that, no question. What do you feel happens with Williams? Do you think he ends up at SC? Or he didn't shut the door on Oklahoma, but – He's he's clearly looking, and if you're if you're a new coach and a new staff coming in, you had to feel really pretty good about what was there. Now I know they got Gabriel coming in, and he was really good at Central Florida. This has got to be a big time headache for coaches, man. It just it, I can't imagine. Yeah, I, I I'd say SC has probably uh, because that seemed like it was a good relationship, although he got benched there. Uh, for a game or two for Rattler, but uh, you would think that, and uh, I know they're coming up with a lot of NIL money in, in the L.A. area, and so you think that that would probably be an issue, but, um, uh, you know, you, you don't really know. I think with Gabriel coming in that that, that might just change the prospects of him maybe returning to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they've already gone out and filled his spot that fast, um, maybe they're just saying, go ahead and see what you can get, do what you can do. And, you know, if, if you don't get what you want, maybe you can come back here. But um, my guess is he's leaving if, if that's happened. Coach, do you know much about uh, Brian Applewhite? Was at Colorado State as a running backs coach and then under Coach Patterson at TCU? I, I ask that because it's a name that's – been floated out for for potentially Nebraska's opening at uh, running backs coach. You know, I don't know Brian, but he's got a good reputation and a good reputation at Colorado State, and you know, and uh, uh, so. But I haven't. Uh, I, I I don't know Brian on a personal note at all. So, um, you know, I'm I'm sure Scott's looking at him that he's a good coach. Gary Barnett's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, some thoughts here as, as we look towards 2022. Um, let's talk real quick about Bama, Georgia 2.0 and dive into the college football semis. 
were you were you shocked Michigan got hammered like they did? A little bit. Uh, I, I was I was a little bit surprised at that. Um, I, I just thought that they had uh, they were so sound that they would make a game of it, and I think everybody did. I everybody looked forward to an old fashioned uh, uh, just beat them up brawl out there, and it it wasn't even close, as you know. So yeah, I was a, more disappointed than I was surprised, I guess. Yeah, and uh, tell you what, Georgia's left tackle did incredible work. Everyone's been hurried and pressured and beat up by Ajabo and Hutchinson, and man, those guys got neutralized quite a bit. And Georgia's just different. I mean, just how? And I think Michigan's super physical, but Georgia was physical, fast, agile. They had it all. Are you looking forward to the title game? Do you think it'll be tight, it'll be close, or do you think it's just going to be more misery for another Saban assistant, or do you feel good about Georgia? I feel good about Georgia. Uh, it's As you know, Chris, at that level, you beat, try to beat anybody twice. It's really difficult. Now, if you're a much better team, it's not that hard. But, but to get up and beat a team twice – of that caliber is really hard to do. And, you know, you look at Baylor and Oklahoma State in the Big 12. I mean, Oklahoma State beats them in the regular season, and Baylor just beats beats them in the conference championship game. So uh, I think it's really hard to win, win that game uh, uh, two times in a row. And I, I do favor Georgia in this game. I okay. think Georgia learned a lot in that game. And I think that you'll see the you'll see what they learn as they play this one. Well, Gary, I think what we're going to learn in this national championship game is if the old adage "offense wins games, defense wins championships" still rings true. I think Alabama has a better offense than Georgia. However, Georgia's uh, defense is the cream of the crop across college football. And I agree, and uh, I think that's. That's an adage that's been tested just recently in the last couple of years about uh, offense, uh, defense winning the championships because, you know, Alabama had to, they had to score a bunch of points to win the last, the last couple they've been in, and they changed their style a little bit. But uh, I think just have playing, the fact that they're playing them twice, mm-hmm. that's as big a factor as any. They know what to expect. They know what worked in their last plan, what didn't work. They know what they have to do, and it, they are as talented as Alabama. So, you know, I, I think that experience is going to pay off in this game for them. Coach, we'll get you out of here. wanted to ask you real quick, though, and thanks for your time and making time during golf uh, with Harbaugh here. Do you think Harbaugh or Day might be eyeing the NFL? We know, we know Harbaugh may be, obviously, uh, because he's been in the league before, but uh, what's your feel on on both those situations? Well, uh, two a year ago, I would have said no, but I I think with what NIL has done to college football, and I don't think you can be a college coach and do all this stuff. I, I don't think there's any way. I think it's there's not going to be a level playing field. Now there'll be. You know, you'll always have an advantage to Ohio State and maybe at Michigan that over everybody else. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it to have to go out and raise that kind of money to compete now at the college level. There's no rules. At least there's rules 
in the NFL and everybody at the, the playing field's level. And so I I don't know I don't know why they wouldn't. I would think that they would. You know, even guys like um uh you know, at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. You know Fitz. Fitz. I mean, why wouldn't he go to the NFL now? I mean, this world that has been created for these coaches is insane and I don't know where it stops. There's literally no rules. So yeah, it it wouldn't uh, surprise me a bit to see a number of guys go if they can to that level. Is that a phone call the Bears may make? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm just just saying. <laughs> no, I get you. Well, I can imagine. It's hard enough getting them uh, signed <laughs> now twice, oh. <laughs> twice in, in January. You know, in, yeah, in and, December and January. Contract. You know, they can't leave until after three years or whatever. No, I get so, you. But in college, they're a free agent every semester. Man, that's crazy. Coach, enjoy uh, your golf. Uh, get some ribs smoked up this weekend, and we'll check in uh, soon. Thanks so much for the time today. Sounds great, guys. Good being with you. All right. Gary Barnett with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and good stuff from Coach. And that's got to be what's running through, and we'll talk with Coach Kaz on this as well. Uh, coach is just the the new normal you got to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's every semester now. It's let's re-recruit what we have, unless you get a throwback player who just wants to play ball and go to class and lift weights and get better. Well, and Gary's half right. Yeah, you have to stay through your contract in the NFL, but you always have the trump card of just leaving halfway through the third quarter, taking off your pads and walking right. out. Especially when you have a fans-only model snuck into your room. We'll have that story as well. Jeremiah Searle's on the way. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr and now and now back to hail varsity radio Good stuff from Gary Barnett. Big thanks to the coach for joining us. Let's check in with our favorite sideline man, uh, Husker standout, NFL standout, uh, part of One West Sports Group. Follow him on Twitter at Searles71 underscore HSKR. We say at our old friend Jeremiah Searles. Searles, how's the new year treating you? You know, not too bad. I'm getting ready to start my big road trip here in January where I'm traveling a bunch of different all-star games, but had a good holidays with the family and just kind of enjoying the winter weather. Yeah, you are. You're probably sleeveless outside right now doing the old throwback look. Hey, I will say I sat in a, I sat in an A-frame all day on this past Saturday when it was nice and chilly out to try and shoot some geese. So I enjoy the weather. No, you're good with it, and, and you got that hunting eye. So, Searles, you're working with kids now trying to fulfill their dream, um, and that is get to the, the level you got to head to the NFL. I wanted to ask you this, and it goes beyond, you know, whether you opt out or not. What's the NFL think of the the, the transfer portal, or does that even come up when you're talking to kids? Does the NFL are they going to look at and look wrongly or positively at at a kid who transfers out? I mean, it's so common now 
with the portal and those floodgates being open like never before in college? You know, I think the NFL is going to view it. They're still trying to figure out kind of what the landscape is. Now, I will say, if you have a kid that transfers multiple times, that's obviously going to raise red flags, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's going to be why character issues. Was it he didn't get along with coaches? Is he coachable? There's so many things that go along there. But, I mean, essentially, college football has turned into kind of a, if you have success as a young player, you can basically test the free agent market, a la Caleb Williams, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the NFL is just going to have to continue to adapt and evolve with how they want to handle it. And I think it used to be a kid that transferred was kind of a knock on the kid or whatever it might be. But I think right now is they're looking at this is really good for a lot of people. An example, like use a guy named John Ridgeway who played at Illinois State. He was probably a PFA, preferred free agent going into the draft. He went to Arkansas this year, performed really well, and he probably got a fourth to fifth round grade now. So, I mean, those are the stories you hear that it works the right way, and that's what the transfer portal was made for. But as of right now, the NFL is still trying to figure out how they want to handle it. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Searles, a thought on Cam Jurgens and just where he can project in, in some of his upside in the NFL. I know we, uh, we, we last talked was a day or two before he made his Twitter announcement that he's going to the league. Uh, let's talk Cam for a moment here and – you, uh, you've seen a lot of guys in the league here. Cam could be a good one. Yeah, you know, the thing with Cam is not everybody's going to like what Cam is, right? Cam's very specific at what he is. He's a very athletic but a smaller size center. And you got to think, if you're only a center, and this is the one kind of knock on Cam, for example, Creed Humphrey, right? Mm-hmm. All-world center. He was the best center come out of Oklahoma for the last year's draft. Didn't go until the second round. It really was the last pick of the second round. You know, so Cam's going to test extremely well. We all know that. He's extremely athletic, very good football player. But he's got to find the right fit for himself in the NFL. And, I mean, a team that comes to mind are the Eagles, right, mm-hmm. with Kelsey in there as the center, that outside zone scheme, a guy that can run sideline to sideline, get up on linebackers. That's where Cam needs to find where he fits in really well. And if he can find the right team, he can absolutely have a super long career. The question is, can he stay healthy? The question is, can he play guard? There's, there's a lot of question marks there, but I think the upside of his athletic ability and just how such a tremendous football player that he is kind of alleviates a lot of those concerns for NFL teams. Are you surprised that Cam didn't get a combine invite? I mean, I know with offensive linemen, it's not the, the sexiest position at the combine, but are you surprised he's not going to be there testing? You know, there's still combine invites to go out. Okay. The, first wave, the first wave of combine invites has gone out. Um, what they do is they usually kind of wait here over the next week or so. They don't want to fill their spots because there's still guys that are going to declare. I mean, Wandale just declared. And what happens, Elijah, is these NFL scouts, especially with this year and last year with the COVID year, the class is so big that these scouts have focused so much on just draft-eligible guys that are seniors that all of a sudden all these juniors and sophomores are coming out that no scouts have laid eyes on them. No one's watched film. They don't have to go back and rewatch it. They want to save spots at the combine for some of these guys. I mean, if you came into Nebraska this year, you were looking at Cam Taylor Britt, JoJo Doman, Austin Allen, possibly. Um, and then everyone was like, oh, Cam Jurgens will be back next year. We'll look at him. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, shoot, Cam's going to the NFL. We've got to get eyes on him. And so he may still get a combine invite. I would anticipate that he probably would. But, again, it, it, there's still a lot of spots left for those combine invites to come out. They will definitely be keep going out as the months go on here. 
few minutes here. Jeremiah Searles with us. Hail Varsity Radio at Searles 71 underscore HSKR. Searles, uh, a thought as we move uh, towards uh, some some NFL action. And I got to get your, your take here on the Antonio, Antonio Brown situation here. Uh, I think Bruce Arians is a guy a lot of guys like playing for. Uh, and then Antonio's got a history here. What's your take on things? Do you know anybody who's played with the guy before? I don't. I don't know anyone that's played with Antonio Brown. And for me, there's a couple things that come to mind. One, football players play hurt all the time. No football player ever is not hurt. And I'm not going to say that his coach forced him to play or not because, yeah, you will get pressure from outside forces to play. But you ultimately make the decision on if you're going to play or not. And for him to come out and say he was injected with what he didn't know, I've been injected multiple times with multiple different things. Not once was I sitting on the table going, ooh, what's that? <laughs> no, you sign, you sign the papers. You sign whatever it is. They inform you. Like, I played on four different NFL teams, injected on all four teams, and it was all above board. The NFL can't afford to just be doing backdoor stuff anymore. It doesn't do that. There's none of this, oh, it's a surprise injection in my ankle. He knew exactly what he was signing up for. And, you know, a lot of things when it first happened, everyone went and cried, the, well, CTE, mental health, like all that. You know what? Some guys are just jerks. That's just the way it is. And Antonio Brown's track record has shown he's kind of a jerk. And so you, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. I think that there's probably a little bit of omitting of the truth from both sides, both camps there. But ultimately, Bruce Arians has gone to bath so many times for Antonio Brown to see him do that to Bruce Arians really kind of sad in my opinion. Do you see the latest story uh, on Antonio uh, the night before? No. What is what is this now? This is from the Daily Mail that Antonio smuggled in a OnlyFans model in, and he Not was surprising. and he was complaining about you know how they were kind of hosing him on his contract. Well, I mean, here's here's a here's a take. He probably was getting mad that he wasn't getting the ball because he wanted it. He was like five catches and a right. touchdown away from hitting his incentive. Yep. And my guess is he probably forgot there was a 17th game, so he got all pissed off. And then once he got the Uber and realized there was a 17th game, he was like, "Oh, I messed up." Yeah, and now the accusations are flying. I'll send you the, uh, the the Daily Mail story here. Please do. That's amazing. Yes, uh, smuggling in. Uh... Uh, this particular model. Uh, there's other choices, <laughs> my friend, is where I'm going to go. Uh, Searles, let's get to the, uh, the the Husker side of things. Uh, winter conditioning going to crank up. Nebraska still in pursuit of a, a running backs coach, uh, maybe a running back. And then, of course, uh, quarterbacks in the portal here. And Coach Barnett made a good point. Like, look, Adrian's really tough to, to replace. Uh, Casey Thompson's the name we hear. And uh, he did some good things in Texas. But Texas uh, was was a four and six program, so we'll see. One thing that that Thompson's been used to is running for his life at Texas, right? Nebraska trying yep. to sure that up, and uh, you made the switch. If Nebraska looks at a, at a center spot and maybe taken from the tackle position, how difficult is that to move from tackle to center? Because you did it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a totally different skill set. And the one nice thing is that if you do move from tackle to center, I mean, it, it's playing more in a box. You're not out there on space as much. You get to control things. And I, I really love playing center. Um, for me, the ability to control the protections and control where everything was and understanding conceptual football, um, I really enjoyed. Now, as far as can you snap the ball with a 
300 pounder breathing down your throat or a Mike linebacker standing there in the A gap is that's a different story. But as far as the skill set goes, and I mean, if you're a young player and you're able to show the more you can do, um, the NFL is mm-hmm. kind of moving towards this bigger center scheme. Um, I mean, they're looking at like, hey, six four, six five centers, and so I mean, if you can get a tackle that can move inside and play center and be athletic and physical, I think it could be really helpful. Is, is Turner and his skill set could that be a good transition? Is that something to, to maybe look for this spring if you're Nebraska? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think Turner. I think with Teddy being able to play as well as he did, um, and his ability to play out there on the edge and getting Turner with the athleticism that we've seen out of him, but also with his, he's been a little, he's got a little light in the ass, right? I mean, he got pushed around a little bit. I think if you can sure up his size and his strength and put him there in the middle, using that athleticism that he has can really help with that wide zone schemes. We like to run the options, getting up on linebackers, downfield on screen games. I really think he could, he could elevate that position in a big way. And I mean, obviously we're going to need to replace some big shoes in Cam Jurgens. Yeah. Just Jeremiah, how do you feel about, this offensive line going into 2022 as a whole. I know the transfer portal isn't done, but Nebraska's brought in a guard in Kevin Williams Jr. Feels like they have a guy that can play guard and tackle. And just as a whole, do you think that this line's got potential to be better than they were in 2021? You know, that's hard to say because it's going to look so different. Now, I will say I'm not a huge fan of the guy uh, doing the old split skis there. The Yankee State transfer. Yeah, that was a little interesting to me. Just leave it at that. But, you know, I think that for you look at the offensive line and you go, okay, new line coach, new offensive coordinator, new center, God is shuffling around. Like, there's potential there, but there's also potential for them to not be as good as next year. And really only time will tell. But I do think that you're getting some returning starters back. You're getting some guys that have now a lot more playing experience. And so the hope would be that they all take jumps in their development as individuals and as a group, and they have to play better next year if we want to win some more football games. Searles, we'll get you out of here. It's Sue's birthday. What would you get Sue for his birthday? Nothing. Sue's kind of mean to me, so I would get Sue nothing for his birthday. Really? Even years later? (laughs) No, I I mean, you forgive, but don't forget, Schmitty. What'd he do? How did he hurt he just, you? He was just he, he used to just beat me up. I was a 17-year-old kid, and he used to just throw me around like a rag doll because he could. And nothing against the guy totally, but he just wasn't nice to me, and he beat me up. But he did teach me. He taught me how to be a band a little bit. So did, did, did maybe he, I'd get him a thank you card. He prepared you for the NFL, right? Yeah, as a 17-year-old, as I emailed my dad telling him that I couldn't play in the NFL. Yeah, sure. So, did Sue, okay, did Sue make you cry? He didn't make me cry, but I'll tell you a quick story. We're going into training camp. I had to play guard because Ricky Henry got hurt. I was with the twos. We go twos versus ones. I run up there all full of piss and vinegar. I put my hand in the dirt. Sue looks at me and goes, who the F are you? <laughs> and then just proceeded to beat the hell out of me the rest of the day. So that's my uh, first experience in Dominican Blue. That is so short and sweet. Who the bleep are you? <laughs> <laughs> Searles, we'll do this again. Best to you and your fam. Thanks for jumping on, bud. Absolutely. Anytime. Go Big Red. There he is, Jeremiah Searles. Uh, (laughs) The old Sue story. Happy birthday, Sue.
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut pre-teen Swedish boy. Back into it. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Time for Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke with us at Danny Burke 5. On Twitter is where you follow him. His show, Rush Hour. Of course, uh, podcasting as well. And uh, with the VEASAN Sports Network. Danny Burke, you're already up uh, so many dimes, aren't you? And we're just into the new year. <laughs> hey, well, you know, as long as this new year is a little bit better than the fall, then uh you know, it's not too hard to do better than that. But, no, it, you know, it's been it's been pretty solid so far. NFL, we had a good week. Uh, hockey, we're getting into cruise control. Then we just kind of got to get into the rhythm of things with NBA once NFL dwindles down. And uh, we'll be looking to go full swing. Is it fair to say you're the uh, you're, you're the Pete Rose of, of NHL betting? <laughs> uh, I, I, I wouldn't go that far just yet. You know, I, my first trip to Vegas, Smitty, I remember going through, I think it was the Mandalay Bay. They kind of got like the walk area where it's like all the shops and whatnot. And I remember there was a Pete Rose signing in one of the stores. And I thought, oh, man, that's so cool. I'm in Vegas, you know, gambler Pete Rose. And I really thought about it. And I was like, you know, if he's sitting down selling his autographs for money, he's probably going straight to the sports book with those earnings. So uh, maybe <laughs> Pete Rose isn't what you want to aspire to in that regard. No, the, the hit king just needs to stay at home plate, right? Well, plenty, uh, right. plenty with the NFL this weekend and three monster games and some interesting numbers. Ravens have been uber competitive without uh, Lamar. And Big Ben got the right send-off, and uh, they could add a little gravy to it here as the Steelers host the Ravens. Both teams have a slim shot, but both teams still alive for a postseason. Ravens minus six. How you feel about this one? This, this one, I, I think I'm going to wait to in-game bet this one. And pre-flop, it seems like the move would be taking the points with the Steelers. The only concern is, like you said, I mean – you know, Big Ben kind of had his send-off, and that felt like the right moment to back the Steelers. And it's not that they don't need to win this. I mean, they absolutely do. Slim to none, they make the postseason. I think it's like a 4% chance, even if they win, and they need to have whatever upset to happen. But, you know, when you're given six points to this Pittsburgh team that, you know, they don't, they don't do the job pretty, right? It's not attractive, but sometimes Tomlin is a dog. He'll find a way to cover and in Big Ben's presumably official last game, seems like taking it with the Steelers would be the right call. However, it is scaring me a little bit that this line is trending toward the Ravens. I know Lamar Jackson's status has been up in the air, and honestly, Tyler Huntley's been a pretty serviceable quarterback, so maybe it's not that big of a jump off. But if it keeps creeping up, I think I would be tempted to take the points with the Steelers, if anything. 
Denny, uh, we got to go to the game that's got major playoff implications. And right now it looks like the Chargers are the favorite. I'm, I'm seeing three points here for the Chargers. Um, but the Raiders, they've been coming on strong as of late, and it's been uh, a, a season where you can't really bet against them despite all the adversity they've faced. So what are you liking in this one? Who do you think makes it into the playoffs, the Chargers or the Raiders? This is one of those games where I know I'm going to be on the opposite side as the Sharps in the sense that I think – this line is going to come down in favor of the Raiders. I know it's been flirting with three and two and a half, but really when you look at these teams stacked up against each other, the Chargers should be the better team, right? I mean, they have more of the talent. They have the better coaching situation as of this point, at least in my mind. People can criticize Brandon Staley all they want, but I love how he's innovative. I love how he's aggressive. That's what the nature of the NFL is going to be trending toward, and that's how you can win the big game. And the thing that's frustrating about the Chargers, though, is you look at that game against Kansas City, you know, that's when you should have won. You look at that, at that game against the Texans, that's embarrassing. That's a game you should have won. But if this defense can stay healthy, if they can limit the passing game like they were at the beginning of the season, you know, give up those runs, whatever it is, Justin Herbert's going to compete in the air. I do give the slight advantage to the Chargers here. I'm going to wait for it to come down probably jump in on the money line, but I think at the end of the day, you got to trust Herbert, you got to trust Daly, and I think the Raiders' luck runs out considering all the adversity they've dealt with. It's fascinating the Raiders are still alive. Uh, I mean, a big win last weekend, and uh, they, they just kind of found a way. They're gritty. I respect them for getting to that nine-win number, and you nailed it. I mean, the Chargers should be sitting at 10 or 11 wins right now. They're that good, and Her- Herbert's been pretty remarkable. Uh, Bose has been uh, pretty fantastic when he's been healthy, but uh, this is a perfect ending uh, to the season for both of these teams where one's really overachieved, one's underachieved, and whoever's left standing after 60 minutes uh, will get into the postseason potentially here. Uh, should be pretty good here. And uh, while one's in L.A. and one's now in Vegas, no longer Oakland, they're Always going to be, uh, well, Oakland and, and San Diego to me, man. I've filled up a swear jar when I mispronounce uh, where they're located now. But that'll be good TV on Sunday. Let's wrap it up here. Daddy Burke with his uh, Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, at Daddy Burke 5 on Twitter. 49ers and the Rams. You know what? The 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 Rams, I love what they do, but, man, they're they're just – something about him and quite honestly it's quarterback play for me yeah that, that is my hesitancy but they are they are good enough on both sides of the ball to put a big big run together the Niners though uh they found some really big time success with their skill talent this game is definitely going to be the most fascinating aside I guess from the primetime spot of the Raiders and the Chargers the 49ers seem like the correct play here I mean this thing opens it's dropped down to as low as four. You're seeing four and a half out there. I've been talking with a couple people on my show throughout the week with this game, and we've all kind of came to the consensus. If Jimmy Garoppolo is your starter, taking the points with the 49ers should be the correct play. Now, granted, the last time they played against each other, they didn't really need a quarterback. They just kept grounding and pounding, and the Rams' defense could literally do nothing to stop them, and the offense couldn't get anything going. And you mentioned quarterback play for the Rams. I mean, that is absolutely concerning. I've never been a guy to knock Matt Stafford. You give him the benefit of the doubt for being stuck on the Lions. But my goodness, this guy has been atrocious the last couple of games. And, 
you know, you barely come out with a win against the Ravens. On the other side, the 49ers coming off a fairly easy win with the Texans, and now they're in desperation mode to win this game. Maybe they don't win, but they should be at least able to cover this spot. For the Rams, yeah, they need to win in the sense to get a better seeding, but they're still going to be in regardless. So I think the right move is to take the points with the 49ers. And, heck, if you could get the four and a half out there, what I did is actually tease them up six. You're getting over seven and ten because, of course, ten is somewhat of a key number two. And you can look to pair that with another squad. So I think you got a couple different options with this game. Danny, you mentioned the teaser option there. Are there any other teasers, uh, any, any scores that you think, well, maybe maybe six and a half points uh, wouldn't be too bad here, or, or any player props here in the last uh, 30 seconds we got with you? Yeah, no player props yet. I'll have more of those tomorrow when they're posted. As for a teaser, I love the Bears' teaser spot, but now that Fields is out, not as attractive anymore. The other two games that I like, Tampa Bay still vying for a top seed, and you could get them crossing the key number of 7-3 and three against the Panthers, who are absolute garbage. So you could tease down the Bucks, or you could look to tease down the Cardinals, another team that wants to ride into the postseason with some momentum and could help their seeding. But I probably have a little bit more faith in the Bucks to pair it with a team like the 49ers. Danny Burke with us. Find him on Twitter at Danny Burke 5, Vison Sports Network, his show Rush Hour, and the Danny Burke Podcast. Danny, we'll talk next week. Thanks for the time. You bet, guys. Take care. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time. Good stuff today. Really good to get caught up with Jeremiah Searles. Also, thoughts from Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel, and Danny Burke, Coach Kaczynski tomorrow, Charlie McBride tomorrow, the Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman tomorrow, as we're live at the Single Barrel. And uh, that is happening four to six ahead of Eric Church at PBA. So, no time like tomorrow to come by, get a steak, get a burger, get an appetizer, get a bourbon, over 250 whiskeys for you, and maybe a cold beer. Or a warm toddy. I won't tell you what to drink or how to drink, but enjoy. Uh, We're inside the graduate at the Single Barrel tomorrow. And uh, come see us 4 to 6. Hail Varsity Roadshow Friday will also be streamyarding. So you can check us out on Twitter and Facebook uh, live Roadshow Friday. So excited for that. How about Malachi Coleman? Kids a stud, awesome family, phenomenal ball player. And he is part of the uh, top 150 for 24-7. And the 2023 prospect going to have junior day visits to Nebraska and also Missouri. That's from Adam True. He's with the national 24-7 uh, guru. So I like Malachi. We loved watching him play ball, catching the football, but also coming in off the edge. 
hunting quarterbacks. So good for from Alec. A lot of Big Ten love from him. I know he was up in Minnesota, also to Iowa. But Nebraska needs to a Nebraska needs to get Noah Walters on campus and keep him on campus, and b they need to get Malachi Coleman. Yeah, Malachi Coleman just seems like one of those guys that any college. Uh, coach worth their salt can mold them into whatever they want. He's a, he's a guy who's got a, a crazy frame. I think like six foot four. Um, he's track speed. Just he's track fast. Yeah, yeah. He, he can run a four five forty and uh, play wide receiver. And hey, let's not forget if if you like him better on the defensive side of the ball, you can go add fifty pounds to him. And let him go get after the quarterback. He he seems to be a guy that can do it all and loves to do it all. So. Uh, it would be a huge loss if Nebraska can't lock him down, keep him in-state. And we, and we saw that in Omaha last year with Nebraska's inability to, to keep the in-state kids home. Uh, Nebraska needs to make a push at that this uh-huh. year and be able to, to, to lock down all of those guys. Not no. not most of them, all of them. No, it, it'd be nice. And you've seen, I mean, look at Nebraska's inside backers, right? Henrich has played well. Uh, Reimers is a kid you lucked out on as far as him turning down scholarship opportunity at South Dakota State or South Dakota, one of the two. Right in your backyard here at North Star. Played great ball at North Star. And uh, good job by Rude to get him to, to come to Lincoln, right, to, to, to do his thing. But, I mean, your inside backers are two in-state kids. And there's more talent than there's been in a lot of years uh, in the metro regions, but also out in Kearney. I mean, you could have a future starting quarterback in Harburg, a Nebraska kid. You have a future starter in Isaac Gifford, who's also going to be a... Uh, Southeast kid. Yeah, who's going to be... Uh, a local kid playing mm-hmm. linebacker. Uh, you got Garrett Nelson along the defensive front. Ben Steele, I know, just left, but another local mm-hmm. Nebraska guy. Nebraska has been playing uh, Nebraska kids a lot more uh, within the past couple of years than they ever were under Bo Pelini or, or Mike Riley. And that's a positive, but it's not a positive unless the wins start coming from it as well. Well, that's just it. Get the W's, baby. Yeah, pick six previews. Our friends tweeted out the <laughs> what happens if you flip the record. With uh, with one, one possession games yeah. and Nebraska's a dirty eleven and one. Uh, the ifs, right? That just means they lost all their one score games. Listen to Elijah Waverly Norris basketball tonight. He'll have the call. KFOR. A Huda Media Production.